you ready to dive into the powerful truth that the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. So often I've heard the statement that my faith or our faith must be founded on the power of God, that we can have, we can read the Bible cover to cover, we can memorize chapters, we can, we can be able to quote, you know, um, chapter and verse and be able to pound it into people. But if we neglect, if we don't walk and if we don't understand, if we don't experience the power of God then we're actually shortchanging ourselves and others. You see, we have to not only experience the power of God, but we have to learn to see past the natural realm and into the heavenly realm. And that's really what I want to talk about today is I want to begin to dive in seeing beyond the natural realm. How do we see into the kingdom? How do we partner with the Lord? How do we join into what he's doing? You see, as believers, as the body of Christ, it's imperative, absolutely essential that we see past the natural realm and we see into heavenly realms. Not only is it imperative, but you know what? It's also your right. It's my right. And as sons and daughters of the living God, it is our honor and our privilege to see differently. So right now you can just say, it is my honor and it is my privilege to see differently. And so as I looked at this, you know, we want to take it back to scripture and we have a a great example in scripture of two men with totally different perceptions and learning from each other. One was seen in the natural, the other was seen in the spiritual. And so I was going into 2 Kings 6, and I absolutely love this account. Here we have Elijah's servant. He gets up early in the morning and he steps outside, probably stretching as he goes, waking up, welcoming the new day. You know, maybe he stepped out to see the sunrise, but, you know, he was up and about early and ready to get things going for the day. But the thing is, is he stepped out the door, the door to that tent, what he saw shocked him because what he saw was the enemy. And as he looked around, he realizes that they are totally surrounded by the enemy. And what happens to this young man? Well, exactly what happens to most of us. Most of us, we get gripped by fear, right? So he goes and he looks around and fear just comes in like a flood. And so he turns around and he turns to his master, which is Elijah, and he asks him what to do. You see, the young servant was seen from an earthly perspective. And from an earthly perspective, they were in deep, deep trouble. You see, we have to learn to see differently or we will never see past the natural realm. And that's something you could say to yourself right now. I must learn to see differently or I will never see past the natural realm. You see, the servant in his fear and shock, I would say, turned to Elisha. This was Elisha's response. He said to him in verse 16, he said, don't be afraid, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. And then in verse 17, Elijah prays, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, I want to go back and talk about Elijah for a moment. Because when he looked, he immediately saw the fear in this young man's eyes. Why? How do we know that? Because the first thing he said is, don't be afraid. Elijah saw past the natural and into the spiritual, but he was still able to step back and see where his servant was at. 
But also Elisha in this moment, because of the ability to be able to see differently, to be able to see into the heavenlies, to be able to see what was God was doing in that moment, not just in the future, not just what was coming, but what the, what God had ordained, what he was doing, what his orders were to the heavenly armies in that moment, he could see that God already had the bases covered. And with that, there was great peace. Seeing only in the natural realm will open the door to fear. But seeing in the spiritual realm, being able to see things from God's perspective, from a heavenly perspective, being able to see what God's doing in the moment actually opens the door to peace. So some questions. Was Elisha more spiritual than his young servant that he was able to see into the spiritual realm? Is seeing into the spiritual realm something that God reserves just for a select few? Is it only for the pastors and the prophets and, hey, the missionaries can do pretty well at seeing differently? Is it only for them or is it something for everyone who follows Jesus Christ? So if it's for everyone, if God's desires that everyone is able to see into the supernatural realm, into the spirit realm, to be able to partner with him and what he, what's he doing, then how do we get there? How do we reach the place where we can step through a door and see things from a different perspective. So in order to explore that, we want to learn a little bit about the background of Elijah. So we're going to step back into his life for a little bit. We're going to leave the young servant there at the camp and, and looking out and trying to see you know what's going on. And we're going to go with Elijah and journey back when he was a little bit younger. So we first meet him in 1 Kings 19. And what he's, what he's out doing is he's plowing a field. You see, he was going about his ordinary everyday business. But what we don't understand at that point is he's actually the replacement. He's the prophet that's being brought on the scene. God ordained, God mandated prophet as Elijah winds up his ministry. Elisha will be carrying that mantle and stepping into it. But in this moment in 1 Kings 19, he's just out plowing the field. He's going about his ordinary everyday life. We know he's likely a farmer because there were 12 teams of oxen out plowing that field and he was the handle over the 12th team. You know, that number 12 is always very interesting in scripture. There's 12 disciples. So we kind of pay attention when we see 12. But what we know with Elijah is he had that 12th team. And that also probably indicates that he came from quite a wealthy family. Now, let's talk about Elijah for a moment. You know, here he comes. He's He's been told by God to go and and anoint Elisha as the prophet to follow him, to take over from him. And so, you know, prophets can be rather abrupt. And Elijah just shows up on the scene, walks through the field, throws his cloak over Elisha's shoulders and walks away. Now use your sanctified imagination and just think about this for a moment. You know, you're going about your everyday business. You're you're probably hot and you're sweaty. You're plowing that field. You're controlling the oxen. You know, the sun's beating down. And here this weird prophet man comes walking across the field, just chucks his cloak on your shoulder and keeps going. You know, he keeps huffing it out of there. But you see, Elijah understood what this signifies. And because of this, he runs after Elijah. You see, the cloak was the most important article of clothing that a person could own. It was used against the weather, of course. It could also be used as bedding, a place to sit, even luggage. They could wrap things up in it and carry it. It could also be given as a pledge for a debt or torn into pieces to show grief. The cloak was important. But where am I going with all this? Okay. There was a call, just say call. There was a call on Elijah's life. You see, God had given him a job to do, just like he has a job for you, just like he has a job for me. Okay, he'd given him a job to do. 
There was a new calling. It was a change of seasons. He was going from a farmer to actually a traveling prophet. Okay, he was going from plowing fields to, to delivering the word of God. There was a shift that had to happen. So therefore, Elijah had to decide how radically he was going to follow. Was he going to hang on to what he knew, to what he was familiar with, to what he was comfortable with? And I want to suggest that this is represented by wanting to go kiss his parents goodbye. There was nothing wrong with that in and of itself. The question is, what was it something he was trying to hang on to? The other thing I think, the, the other thing he had to address was not just how radically was he going to follow, what was he going to hang on to, but was he going to have a plan B? And when I see this, I see it represented that he said no because he burned the plow. When I went through a season of transition, I, I, I was actually stepping into what I'm doing now. I was leaving a, a, a very secure paid staff position. And I remember a number of well-meaning people said to me, hey, your plan B, you know, if it doesn't work out what you're doing, then you can always come back and come back into doing this. You know, and I knew as I stepped out, I couldn't have a plan B. That absolutely was not was not a possibility. And so I really see Elijah saying no to this when he goes and burns the plow. He didn't just park the plow in the garage, you know, cover it over, keep it safe and sound in case he ever needed it again. No, he went and burned the plow. So therefore he could not go back to plowing that field. Going back to what he knew before this encounter was not a possibility. He was going to wholeheartedly step into what God had for him. And then the other thing he did, which I find so interesting, is when he slaughtered the oxen, he actually took time to roast the meat, and then he went and he fed the townspeople. He began to feed them immediately. What does a prophet do? They release the word of God. They feed the word of God. So here was Elisha doing that in the natural, in the physical. He didn't just waste what he had as he shut everything down, as he, as he, as he made the decision to radically follow the Lord. He went and he fed the townspeople. He became a servant. So if we want to see things differently, here's some lessons we can learn right here. Number one, we have to make a decision to go where God has called us. How are you doing at making that decision to go where God has called you? Number two, we cannot have a plan B in our back pocket. Everything in our culture would teach us to have a plan B in our back pocket. You know, if you go to apply for a college, you don't apply to just one college. You apply to numerous colleges because what if it doesn't work out for you to get into the college of your choice? Or when we go to put out job resumes, of course, we wouldn't think of just applying to one company. We apply to multiple companies. Okay, when we invest, we tend to invest through multiple firms in case one goes under. Okay, there's always this plan B. Now, some of it's wisdom. Absolutely. I don't want to disregard that. But when God calls us into a new season, into a new territory, then it's very important that we don't have the plan B in our back pocket because that's not wisdom. When we have the plan B in our back pocket, it's saying, God, I will go with you, but I don't really trust you. So if this doesn't work out the way I think it should, and trust me, it usually does not work out the way we think it should in that moment, then we'll go back to that plan B. We'll go back to plowing the field instead of stepping into the call and the gifting and the anointing that God has for us. And so that's where that plan B is actually not wisdom, but it actually 
becomes a weight that we carry with us that will keep us going into the fullness of what God has. So that burning of the plow and feeding the people, that stance that Elijah took, actually speaks very, very powerfully to me about going wholeheartedly where God has called us to do because he has plans and purposes for each one of us. And one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, having a plan be in our pocket when God tells us to move is leaning on our own understanding. So we're to trust him. We can't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge him. And the promise is then that he will make straight those paths. And so that's actually what Elisha was doing right here. He wasn't leaning on his own understanding. He was stepping into the call. And so verse 21 reads, So Elisha returned to his oxen. He slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire, roast their flesh, passed around the meat to the hounds people. They all ate. Then, and just say then, then he went with Elijah as his assistant, which brings us to another key as we're growing to seeing into the spiritual realm, to seeing supernaturally, to having a, a life that's full of kingdom living and kingdom impact. You see, we learn from others and we have to understand that there's a training ground. We cannot despise the training ground. You see, Elijah didn't go straight from plowing the field to being able to see the, the army of the Lord outnumbering the army of the enemy. Between these two things, there was a training ground where he actually traveled with Elijah as his assistant. As he traveled with him, he, he was with the seasoned prophet of God. He saw what he did. He experienced. He began to see differently. He began to think differently. His mind was being transformed to think from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. A lot of times what we do is we short circuit that training ground. And it's very important that we embrace the training and don't short circuit it because God will use those seasons of training to actually catapult us or move us into the more of what God has. So if we want to be able to see from a kingdom perspective, from a heavenly perspective, if we want to be able to partner with the fullness of heaven, then we really have to be able to learn to see differently. In other words, we have to retrain our minds to allow ourselves to see from a different perspective. Maldonado puts it this way. He says, the spirit is above the mind. He can take us to places in God where reason cannot enter. The mind must follow, not lead. When the mind is renewed by an experience with God, it is able to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's so powerful. I want to read it again. The spirit is above the mind. That's something that you can just say right now. Lord, put this, your spirit above my mind. That the Holy Spirit can take us to places where in God, where reason cannot enter. The mind must follow, not lead. That's a switch, okay? We tend to think our mind leads. We need the spirit to lead and the mind will follow. When the mind is renewed by an experience with God, it is able to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us those experiences so that our mind learns to follow the Holy Spirit. So as Elisha traveled with Elijah, his mind was renewed and he absolutely learned to see from a different perspective. And he learned to trust God. So let's fast forward again. We're going to go back. We're going to find our young man who's kind of been frozen there looking out the door of the tent of the enemy. And so that morning, as, as the young man turned around and he says to Elisha, Master, what do we do? As the fear absolutely gripped him, 
Um, Elijah could see that fear. He could see where his servant was at. But as he stepped out the door, he saw something different. Why? Because his expectation and his perspective perspective was different. And he wasn't just saying trust. This is important. He wasn't just saying to his, to the servant, we can trust that God will take care of us. That is a truth. Okay. That is a truth of who God is. He will take care of us. That is truth. And that's vital and that's important. But there's another step. Elijah actually could look out and see what God was doing, what was happening in that moment beyond the natural realm. He could actually see how God was taking care of them. Okay, he didn't, he wasn't just standing. It it was it was more than just standing on the word. The word it's living and it's active. And he was seeing it as living and active. And he was seeing what God was doing. And because of that, he could partner with what God was doing because he saw, he actually saw, I want you to hear this. He saw with his physical eyes, broke through the natural barrier, saw the armies of heaven far outnumbering the natural armies of the enemy. Okay, this is really, really important. It's a missing component for many of us. We don't realize that we're called to see past. We're called to see beyond. And so I, I want to point out that when I when I minister to people coming out of the occult, they can often see into the into the spiritual realm much better than the body of Christ. And so they're trained to do this. They're equipped to do this. And one of the challenges we have is helping them learn to see in the right kingdom, we want to see in the heavenly realm. We don't need the counterfeit. Remember, whenever the occult does anything, it's a counterfeit. The demonic cannot create anything new, okay? Satan is a creative being. The, the demons are all creative beings. God is the creator. So all the demonic can do is mimic. All the occult can do is mimic. And the body of Christ, rather than pulling this back and saying, no, this is our DNA. This is our inheritance. This is who we're called to be. We relinquish that ground. So I want to charge us. I want to, I want to actually um, encourage us to pull that back. It is our mandate. It's our right. Our, it's our inheritance. It's one of the weapons that we use is being able to partner with the kingdom of heaven, being able to see past what's happening in the natural and bring peace into a situation where fear has ruled. Think about this. When the young servant opened the door, fear ruled. When Elisha looked out and stepped in, peace entered in. Which would you rather walk in? Would you rather walk in the fear or would we rather walk in peace? So we have to be able to train and to see from a different perspective. Back to 2 Kings 17. Elisha didn't just tell the young servant what he was seeing and ask him to trust him. I love this. He actually prayed that the Lord would open his eyes and let him see for himself. We need our eyes to be open. We need to stop trusting others what they're seeing. There's a time and a place for that. But there is also this ability that each one of us is to have to see past that we should expect that to be part of our walk with the Lord that as we grow, as we move from just drinking milk to actually eating meat from the kingdom of heaven, that part of that is to see what is happening, see what's happening in the moment. We stand on the promises, but we also see. We let the Holy Spirit lead and the mind follow. You see, we're told that as Elisha prayed for this young man, that the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So many of us through this season have felt like the enemy surrounds us and we're like that young servant and we're standing at the door and we're looking out and all we see is the enemy. 
And we're not stepping back to ask what's really going on. We're not stepping back to ask the Lord to open our eyes so that we can see what he's doing. And because of this, we partner with a spirit of fear rather than partnering with a spirit of peace. And there is an invitation from the very throne room of heaven. It's like I see Jesus intercessing, inter, he's interceding for us, just like Elisha did for his servant. And he's saying, Lord, open their eyes so that they could see. And rather, we're so, so many, so many in the body of Christ are so so stuck in fear that it's like a little kid with our eyes squeezed shut because we're so afraid and we figure if we just keep our eyes squeezed shut that it'll all go away and we don't have to face it. Whereas the Lord is saying it is time to open your eyes. It's time to see from a different perspective. It's time to see what he is doing and bring in peace, usher in peace to stop partnering with fear, but to see from a different perspective. So again, if we want to see differently, if we want to partner with God and see what he's doing in a moment, then we have to make a decision to go where God has called us. We get rid of that plan B that's in your back pocket. And some of you, there's a C, D, E, and F there also. Get rid of them. We want God's plan A. We have to learn to discern the timing of the call. We need to be taking care of others. And sometimes that taking care of includes saying to the one in fear, do not be afraid. Sometimes it involves feeding those who are physically hungry, okay? There's all sorts of different concepts here, different ways we can take it, but we have to take care of those around us. We have to represent the kingdom of heaven. We have to see from a different sphere. And we have to learn from others. We understand there's a training ground. Do not despise the training. Do not despise the training. Remember, the only reason Elijah could pray for this young servant is because he had walked, he had trained with Elijah. So, so don't despise the training, but look, expect, change our expectations, expect to see, intentionally go out today and look around and ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what he's doing in the moment. And then don't disregard what you're seeing. Partner with him. Thank him for it. Ask him how you can enter into it. Ask him what your role in this moment is. Because if we want to see from a different perspective, it also takes action on our part. You can listen to this. You can agree with me on all of it and then just go and forget about it. Or we can all step into it and say, Lord, teach us, open our eyes, open our eyes, open our eyes. I decree and declare right now from the very throne room of heaven that you were created to see to see into heavenly realms, that you were created to see what God's doing in a moment, that you were created to bring in peace where fear has resided, that you are created to partner with the very heartbeat of heaven, that you are a force to be reckoned with. And not only should you expect to see into the heavenly realms, but also it is your right as a son or daughter of the living God. It is your honor and your privilege to see differently. It is your honor, your privilege as a son or daughter of the living God to see differently. So it's time. It is time to step in. The body of Christ absolutely must reclaim this ground. So I'm on it. I'm going to do it. How about you? Are you struggling to walk in the fullness of the plans and purpose that God has for you? Why not order Ruth's book, Physician, How to Be Aligned and Empowered to Walk in Your Divine Destiny? Available in print, ebook, or audio on Amazon today.